This morning we will be in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be looking at uh, chapter 12, verses 22 through, actually just through verse 31. Um, I had originally done verse 34, but I'm actually going to save that last section for next week. So we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 12. Uh, verses 22, and I'm going to go ahead and read through, um, uh, through verse 21. I'll bring the text up on the screen. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Hear the word of the Lord. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things. And your father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And we'll stop there because we'll uh, pick up with the rest of that passage next week. So, what is it that makes you worry? Some people go, how much time you got? Right? We live in an anxious society. We have all kinds of apps on our phones, though. Instant video counseling is now available. Um, you can connect with a counselor anytime uh, through your smartphone. And if you don't like that counselor, no problem. They'll get you a new one. All right? We've got all kinds of things to encourage us, to comfort us. We have comfort pets that we can take all kinds of places. We have every kind of diversion at our fingertips, and yet our society is just inundated with anxiety. And that was before inflation came in, before we went back to 1979, apparently, and inflation's at, you know, at high risk. You know, you're talking about, I was worried before. <laughs> you know, now I don't even want to think about what this is doing to my retirement. To You know, I don't want to think about this doing to, like, all this stuff. Right? Um, the only thing that encouraged me, I was just like, well, the debt on my house is actually worth less now. So, hey, you know, there's a little bit of that. So that's good. So, it's just, you know, just silver linings. But it seems like that many of our solutions to anxiety just don't work very well that they only kind of improve things a bit on the margins, and that that they can also actually make things worse. And then we read Luke chapter 12, and Jesus comes along and says, don't be anxious. There's a cynical person that goes, thanks, I hadn't tried that, to just not being it. Thank you, Jesus. But 
for the non-cynical person who hears Jesus, a lot, of, a lot of Christians just feel bad because they're like, now I'm failing Jesus. Now I'm anxious about my anxiety because now I'm failing Jesus on top of it all. So what do we do? Well, first, we need to recognize that Jesus is specifically targeting his disciples with this teaching. It's, Luke says he said to his disciples, don't be anxious. And Jesus isn't saying, let me posit to you some hypothetical uh, um, you know, universe, you know, where everyone's talking about the multiverse because of the Marvel films, you know, and then some other alternate universe where you might be anxious. No, he expects his disciples to encounter personal anxiety. So Jesus expects us to wrestle with this. So let's just go ahead and take that anxiety about being anxious because we're failing Jesus because we have anxiety. Let's just go ahead and take that and set it down because Jesus said, I expect you to wrestle with this and I want to help you because I know you're going to deal with this. So that's encouraging. Just take that moment and know that Jesus is coming to you as a friend, as the master to his disciple, as, as an older brother to, to his younger sibling. That's how Jesus is approaching us this morning. And now we can listen to Jesus' reasons why he says, don't be anxious. And he tells us to not be anxious because, first of all, the lessons of nature that God has made, what they teach us. And then secondly, because of the truth of the kingdom of God. And truly, that really, this whole section is only going to include next week when we get into kind of the final aspect and we talk a bit more about anxiety and talk more about um, and kind of bring it into a, a kind of a more a stronger conclusion. But here it's kind of part one of how Jesus answers our anxieties. And so first, uh, we go to the lessons of nature. It sounds like a documentary. Ah, oh, the lessons of nature, you know, and you go out. Uh, but Jesus indeed is taking us to nature. But before we get there, we need to uh, firm up our understanding of anxiety itself. Uh, because what is anxiety? Anxiety uh, often just feels like this kind of nebulous emotional pressure that, uh, that's characterized by fear. Um, or it's just a sense of unrest. It's just, I can't settle you know, uh, and oftentimes if we start kind of parsing it out, we realize that anxiety is all about there's a certain outcome that I want, but I'm in, uh, I am either unable or I'm just afraid that I won't be able to attain it. Either there's something I want to happen or I don't want to happen, but I am fearful that I am that the outcome I desire is not going to happen. And then there's a sense of anxiety that fills the gap. But biblically speaking, the word here that, um, that Jesus uses, that the Bible uses, uh, especially in the New Testament, uh, it, for anxiety is really just a word that means to have concern for. And it's interesting because depending on how you use it, it can be a word that means to have appropriate concern for something, or it can mean inappropriate, undue, inordinate concern for something, which is anxiety. So the, the question then is, what determines whether or not I have appropriate concern or, you know, kind of a worldly anxiety? How do, what, it, what is it? And, and according to Jesus and how this is used in the New Testament, the primary, not the only, but the primary determinant of whether or not we have a godly or healthy concern or worldly unhealthy anxiety largely is determined by the thing that we're actually concerned about. What is it that you're actually worried about? 
What are you anxious for? That is what determines whether or not we would translate this in the Greek from concern or anxious, from a positive term or a negative term. And so, the, and so this word actually, uh, uh, you know, this word is used, and, and, and Jesus begins with therefore, which takes us back to the parable of the rich fool that he just, that he just shared, and the folly of material selfishness that we talked about the last time we were in Luke. And so Jesus here is connecting, then, a sinful worldly anxiety to a form of covetousness. Remember, before we said covetousness tells the lie. It tells a whole lie about the way to view life, which is that covetousness says your life is your stuff. And your life is all about getting the right amount of stuff and the right quality stuff. And that anything that gets in the way of that is a problem. And so, and so there's a distinction, though, that we can make here. Because within that covetousness, you can find something, you basically find greed, and you can find anxiety that Jesus is talking about here. And so how do we distinguish between them? Well, well greed, we could say, is preoccupied with abundance, the abundance of goods and the procurement of more goods, that unsatisfied desire for more. Because remember, the parable of the rich fool, that guy is not anxious. You know, he's like, I got more stuff that I could ever spend in a lifetime. I'm good. He's like, yes, this is awesome. Like, there's, there's no anxiety in that guy's voice, right? He is not worried. He's like, the only worry I have is how big do my barns need to be? You know, like, that's, that's, that's his thing. So that's greed. Anxiety, where greed is preoccupied with the abundance of the things that you have and the desire for more of them. Worldly anxiety is preoccupied with what you don't have and the fear that you will, not, you will never get it or you will not have enough of it. Anxiety, worldly anxiety, as is used here, is preoccupied with what one does not have and the worry that you will never have it or you will never have enough of it. And don't think that the rich cannot be filled with anxiety because they don't think they have enough. There are wealthy people who have taken their own lives because they have bought into an anxious view of themselves. And remember, being rich is a fairly relative term. Like, if you ask me, who are the rich? The people who have more than I do, right? That's how we define rich. You know, we might say they have a lot more than I do, but I'm ne- I never categorize myself as the wealthy person until I go to a particular country or a particular place in, you know, in, uh, in, in the city or something like that. And I go, oh, yeah, actually, I got a lot, don't I? You know, but I wouldn't say I'm rich, right? So what is this exactly, this worldly anxiety that we are to avoid? Well, Jesus exhorts us not to worry about our life. He says specifically what we will eat and what we will wear, our life and our body. Now, what's interesting is that these are the very basics. The Apostle Paul says if we can have those two things, we'll be content. If we can just have food and clothing, we'll be content with those. Everything else is gravy. But that's all we want is food and clothing. And we're good. We're content. And that's always that one where it's like, I I don't think I'll be content with those. You know, like, just if I'm, you know, if I'm going to say it honestly. But Paul says you can be. We can be. So Jesus is saying that there is something wrong here 
when his disciples worry about having enough to eat or having enough to wear. Now, doesn't that sound a little harsh? Doesn't that sound a little uncaring? You're like, is that Jesus speaking, saying that? I thought Jesus would come alongside us and go like, oh yeah, you're right to worry. You're right to be afraid. Why would Jesus say that? Because Jesus knows that the person who is obsessed with these things, is riddled with anxiety over these things, has a weak and frail definition of human life. That our lives and our bodies are much more than we think they are. And what's ironic is that we think we know what it means to be human. We think we know what it means to have a life and to have a body, maybe a little bit better than God does because we've been doing this, right? We're creatures. But it's actually the reverse. Jesus knows us better than we do. God knows us better than we do because he made us. And he knows that we are more than food and clothing. And remember, when Jesus is talking here, he's not talking to a bunch of lazy people. He's talking to a bunch of worried people. He's talking to a bunch of warriors and anxious people. That's what he's talking to. Not talking to a bunch of lazy folks. Now, and I want to be accurate here. Jesus is talking about not the acquiring of possessions or merely having things. He's talking, as he often does, about our attitude toward those things. And here is the simple point. It is not that you don't need those basic goods, food and clothing, or that Jesus doesn't care if you have food or clothing. That's not what he's saying. He is just saying, he's asking, do you know that your life is so much more than that? Your value, your destiny is so much more than what you're going to eat for lunch today and the clothes you're going to wear tomorrow. To define our lives according to a materialistic philosophy of just collecting stuff, having enough stuff, is to truly devalue human life and the human body that God has made and given to us. That is the problem with worldly anxiety. It's not that, because the problem is we go, well, well, it's practical. I'm an anxious person because I'm practical. I'm being realistic. And Jesus says, no, you're not. Because if you were realistic, you would understand how much more there is to you than just what you eat and what you wear. It is a distorted view of creation. And as Jesus shows us, it is beneath the disciples of Jesus and the children of God. And then Jesus gives us two examples from nature in verses 24 to 28. He says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They, 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 they don't know anything about irrigating or planting a field. Uh, they don't know, uh, they don't have anywhere to put their stuff even if they did. They don't know how and they're incapable of driving a tractor. And yet God still feeds them. Now, the ravens are unclean birds, yet God used them to feed the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament. They are unclean birds and unclean uh, creatures, according to the, uh, the Old Testament laws, but, uh, but God continues to care for them, as he does for his creation. One uh, pastor scholar wrote in his commentaries, he said, so when you're driving down the road and you see vultures eating roadkill, you start singing the doxology, all right? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Look at him cre- providing for his creation. Secondly, Jesus says, consider the lilies. Think about the flowers. 
Specifically, think about how they grow. I have a plant in my flower bed, and actually it's popped up several others since then, and we were hoping it was going to flower. It was one of those ones where you're like, I don't think that's a weed. You know, like, and Leslie spotted it, and she was like, it's not a weed. She was like, don't pull it. She was like, so we let it go, let it go, and then finally it blossomed, a beautiful pink flower. And then another one popped up, and another one popped up. And so now we got three beautiful pink flowers, you know, just popped up. And, it, and if you go up and down my neighborhood, and I'm sure go around where you live, you will see a great variety of natural beauty this time of year that comes not by human design, but by humans taking advantage of the divine design that is found in nature. These flowers, Jesus says, speak to God's great care of of his creation, that God cares about many things in his creation. He even cares about things like beauty. He designs flowers to be resplendent, gorgeous, bursting with color. It doesn't matter if you zoom out, you see a field like a field of flowers, which is gorgeous, or if you just zoom in to one and just see that and see how beautiful they are. I think it was the artist, uh, Georgia O'Keeffe, who would would have kind of like, it was almost like doing a a zoom in, and it would go off the page, and it was kind of like the zoom in on a flower. You wouldn't even see the whole flower. It would just be part of the flower that she would paint on there. And, and, And that this nature transcends the beauty that, of human designs, puts us to shame. And so Jesus says, consider the ravens, consider the lilies. And so let's consider them. Let's think about what is it that nature teaches us that we learn about from the birds and the flowers. And Christ uses these two examples to teach us at least four things about anxiety. First, Jesus says that we are taught about our value. If God does these things for the ravens and the flowers, how much more will he do for you and for I? Because we are worth far more than birds or flowers that are going to... I mean, those flowers, though, also, um, there's, some, there's some flowers that, grew, that get popped up. I didn't even know they were there. Some of those flowers pop up and you were like, oh, I forgot those were over there. And they came up by, the, by uh, where the rain gutter goes out. And they grow up around the rain gutter. And, and, and I usually like mow them down. This year I didn't mow them down. Turns out there's flowers that pop up if you don't do that. And so, and so, and these beautiful, just kind of orange flowers just came up. And I don't even know what they are. And then what did they do? They wilted, <laughs> right? They died. All right, they were up for a little bit and they died. Now some people, some unbelievers will say, well, what a waste. What a waste. God would cause that to go up and spring forth and then wilt like that. That's just a waste. I say, what a God. A God who takes something as passing and momentary as that little flower that lasted even just a few weeks and makes it beautiful. If God does that for flowers that are here for a moment and gone the next, how much more will he do for you who are worth much more than flowers? Second, Jesus says this reminds us of our limitations. Anxiety does nothing but hurt the anxious person. We are not able to, by our most extreme anxieties, to lengthen our lives by a single minute. Literally says by a single cubit. We cannot lengthen out our timeline. So what are we so worried about things that we cannot control? Why are we so stressed That we don't have the powers of God to make everything bend to our will. 
Our culture is obsessed with getting us to embrace a false idea of ourselves that by faith in ourselves, our faith in our, each other, we can do anything. Now, I'm not you know, suppressing or downing you know, human ingenuity, but it's just not true. We have limits, and we are contend- contending against death, sin, and the devil. And there is no way to over- overcome these by our own strength, or even our united strength, only by the power of God and Christ. We need to embrace our limitations and stop worrying about the things that we cannot control. Third, Jesus uses these examples to press us to trust in God, the God who cares for ravens and flowers in this way. If he does this for things that are not made in his own image, well, then, then why do we think that he would not do even more for us who are made in his image and even more who are being renewed after the image of his blessed son? Will he not give everything to his own son? Will he not also give us all things with him? It's the very argument that Paul makes in Romans 8. If he has given us his son, will he not also with him give us all things, even in the face of suffering and persecution? We hold this hope. And fourth, verse 28 applies where he says, Oh, you of little faith, implies that our anxiety reveals a certain weakness of faith. Faith is trust. Our anxiety about our needs reveals a lack of trust in God. Okay? Look, and we're, look, I wasn't kidding at the beginning. We're at 10% inflation, okay? People's wages are getting eaten up. I got a car that's broke, don't work, sitting in my front yard. We're down to one vehicle right now. I might have a chance to fix it next week, so I'm excited about that, but, um, but I don't know, <laughs> right? What are you going to do, right? Freak out, worry. Be, you know, try to start be with great, being grateful to have two cars for so long, even if I have to go to one temporarily. Being grateful for the one we have. How about that? But our anxiety can reveal our lack of trust in God. But that shouldn't cause us to despair. Rather, when we're anxious, we need to take the prescription, the prescription that comes from Paul in Philippians 4, from Peter in 1 Peter 5, and to take all those anxieties and cast them on the Lord. God wants us to do that. He doesn't chide us for having anxieties. The only time he chides us for having anxiety is when we don't bring them to him. Be encouraged. Because your and my weakness of faith in this moment is the opportunity for God's power, strength, and grace to shine. It's just like, it's like coming to God. It's like, well, why not? Well, he, just, he doesn't want that. Or I've just been praying about this for a while. Or just, uh, or just you know, I'm too sinful. It's just kind of like, you know, it's, just, it, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, sometimes with my children or with people, I'm just like banging my head against the wall going like, I can help you. Come to me. I can help you. Right? Parents, you ever done that with your kids? Be like, why did you not come to me sooner? Like, I can help you with this. Like, why? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's, it's like, well, 
it, how often is God saying that to us? Why didn't you come to me sooner with this? I am the God of the universe after all. I am the one who sent my son to die for you, who covered your sins with his righteous blood. You think I'm not going to do for you? I'm not going to give you what you need? I'm not going to bring you through suffering and tribulation and bring you all the way to the throne room of grace? Jesus teaches us here that we don't need to be weighed down by worldly anxiety that is consumed with worry for worldly goods, for food and for clothing. He doesn't say we don't need them. He says we don't need the worry about them. When we are anxious, Jesus tells us, look to the skies, look to the flowers, and be reminded of the God who provides and the God who cares for his own. And I'm actually going to pause there for this week because the rest of this, the rest of the sermon is actually going to go with what we're going to go over next week. So I'm just going to pause there and just, and I want to just encourage us as we go here because I'm, I'm serious. Anxiety can move into anxiety attacks, panic attacks. Those things are terrifying. You think you're dying. And sometimes it feels like you are, even if you're not in a panic attack. Sometimes it feels like everything's crashing down and just, you just don't know. And there's just, um, and you just don't know and you're fearful. And there's times, you know, and there's people that I have to reach out to. I mean, I've, I've called Tommy before and I'm like, Tommy, I feel like everyone in the church is mad at me. <laughs> But I feel like I'm being irrational, and, and just, but I have all this anxiety and fear. And he's like, Eric, you're fine. <laughs> just calm down. You know, thankfully I haven't done that in a while. But, <laughs> but, but it's happened, you know? Like, it happens. There's lots of those moments. We got, I got tons of stuff going on that I'm working on and just leading in the church and doing other things with my family and kids and all stuff like that. There's tons of anxiety going on, okay? There's lots of stuff there. And so, again, this is part one. We're going to get into part two, talk about the kingdom. We're going to talk about... Christ's prescription, but more for this, we're going to get into a bit more of onto it. But for now, today, when you go out today, and yes, you're going to walk out and get punched in the face by that Mississippi heat, but as you go out there, make sure you look around and you observe those flowers. You observe the birds, even the ones eating the roadkill, all right? But you look and think about the God who provides for these, who has provided for you, And know that these are signs that Jesus says we're supposed to take. It's the promise, the guarantee from the lesser to the greater that God the Father is going to take care of us. That no matter what our plans and designs are, that thing that we're hoping to do, that we're hoping to accomplish, that we're hoping that won't fail, or the the bad news that we hope we don't get, the stuff that we don't have control, that we're so worried about that that is eating away at our bodies with anxiety, that we would begin to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't control this, and it's eating me alive. And I can't control it. So I'm giving it over to you. Because you provide for the, you clothe the lilies with beauty. And you provide food for the ravens. And I know you're going to take care of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you provide for your people. And the lie that we are tempted to to hear is the lie that is old as the garden. The lie that Satan whispered into Eve's ear. 
that God doesn't really care about us and that we're going to have to get what is ours ourselves. But thankfully, you have sent your son. You have redeemed us from some fo- such foolish and evil thinking, thinking that destroys us, that hurts us, that wounds us. And we thank you for a Savior who is patient and loving, that does not tire or grow weary in doing good for us, that invites us in, we who are weary with anxiety, who are heavy laden with burdens, and he invites us in. He doesn't chastise us. He doesn't yell at us. He doesn't dismiss us, but he invites us in with all that brokenness, with all that weight, with all that fear, with all that sense of failure. He invites us in and embraces us, loves us, and takes that heavy burden to himself and gives us his own, which is light. And he shares that with us. Lord, we pray that while we may not solve the problem of anxiety in this moment today, that we would walk away from here looking at your created world and that we would begin to feel the burden lift, knowing that you are in charge, you are in control, and that you will provide for us everything that is necessary. We pray this in Jesus' name.